as entrepreneurs, we're told over and over again that we have to be clear on brand, our brand. It has to be compelling. It's got to attract the right audience. And more than just understanding a brand, we've got to know how to use it. We have to be able to get it out there, use today's technology, the video. Well, you're in luck today. I've got one of the top experts in the world. And he is a director, producer. He is out there teaching about this. He's a brand expert. But more importantly, he's actually doing it. So some of the top brands in the world. And he's here to share with you how you can do it too. Stay tuned. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard. Watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com Jeff Madoff, I am so glad to have you here today. I know you are so used to interviewing other entrepreneurs, creating all these videos, and I've been interviewed, had the privilege of being interviewed by you. I feel really privileged to be interviewing you today. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Jeff, you have, I mean, uh, we both met at Joe Polish's uh, uh, the Genius Network Mastermind Group, and we've uh, met a, a number of times. We've had the chance to do some things together, and I've just really been blown away with what you've been able to accomplish and looking at your work. And I wanted to share it with our fellow entrepreneurs here at AES Nation. And you know, they're, they're so interested in kind of accelerating their success. And you've helped so many brands get clear of who they are and how to get their message out. And, and why, why don't you help me out a little bit of background? You know, how did you get there? I mean, that's, that's not something you wake up as a, a young man and say, I'm going to go out and, uh, you know, work with these top brands and, you know, go, do all this cool stuff to make it. And there's technology cool and business cool. You did the business cool that actually makes, you know, great money for everybody and getting that message out. But how, how did you get to that? Well, depending on how far back you'd like to go, John, uh, my first entrepreneurial venture was a movie theater in the basement of my parents' home when I was growing up. <laughs> and I rented movies. They were silent. Uh, so I borrowed my sister's portable stereo and would put together soundtracks, sound effects and music that I'd get from her albums. And then I designed and printed posters, literally tacked them up around the neighborhood and sold tickets. And uh, just like a real movie theater, made the biggest profit margins on concessions, especially <laughs> popcorn, which my dad used to buy by the drum, and I would sell it and actually never reimburse them. So there was a great margin on the popcorn. Uh, now, Jeff, give me an age on this, because I mean, this is, this is uh, you know, really looking ahead a little bit here. I'm thinking, I was saying you didn't wake up as a young man, but it sounds like you did. Well, I was probably... 11, 12, 12 mm -hmm. years old, something like that. And, uh, you know, like a lot of other kids, I had a paper route. I mowed lawns, shoveled driveways on snow days, and, which was great because I didn't have to go to school and I could make money, so that mm -hmm. was fun. And uh, I had a bunch of other jobs that you might find interesting. I set tombstones. <laughs> uh, I never had a complaint from a customer when I did that. 
And uh, I was the youngest Fuller Brush man in the country. Actually set sales records for Fuller Brush. Oh, that's uh, some uh, great sales experience there too. Unbelievable. To go door to door, cold calling, was an astoundingly valuable experience. I don't know that people even open their doors anymore to strangers, but mm -hmm. back then they did. And it's amazing sales experience. It really is. Because uh, you learn how to engage because you've got about 10 seconds to create that engagement. And you either get a door slammed in your face or you have the possibility of selling them something. You can create that verbal bridge. And that's what I did. Uh, and I worked in a store and I sold shoes and I did things. And then when I graduated from college, uh, I was working in a little boutique and a friend of mine called me up and asked if I could think of a gig that would earn more than bank interest. And I said, I see the stuff we're selling and I could always draw. So I started a clothing company and uh, within two years I had 110 employees and uh, was selling to the top stores in the nation and was chosen one of the top 10 young designers in the United States. There were only eight of us, so it wasn't hard to get into the top 10. And, uh, and it, was, it was all phenomenal experience. But, but I'd like to add, John, because I think this is most important. Mm -hmm. My parents encouraged and supported my exploration and creativity. And, and they were all for me expressing myself through writing, through drawing, through acting, talking, the various things that I did. And I think having that supportive home environment was really important to me. Uh, and because I was quite liberated, I was always comfortable around adults because my parents didn't raise me as kids should be seen and not heard. So in selling, although I started selling at a very young age, I was always selling to adults. When I was hiring, when I started my company, I was hiring adults, but I never had to overcome a discomfort because of the comfort with which my parents brought me up and encouraged me to do these things. No, that's, I mean, it is, you know, it's, it's amazing how many entrepreneurs have read a lot of research reports that they had that home life where, you know, they sat around the table, they were included with adults, they got comfortable with adults at a very early age and really saw they could add something. And, uh, you know, you did it on an awful lot of fronts. And so in the, the clothing store, uh, where were you located when you had this? I was in college. Uh, my degree, by the way, was in uh, philosophy and psychology, and I had been on the wrestling team. So that combination, <laughs> of course, set me up for business very well. And uh, Well, there is a lot of wrestling going on in business here. And, uh, a little, having a positive mindset with the philosophy side might bring it all together. Well, actually, to bring it all together, there was something very significant I learned from wrestling. And that is, in wrestling, you have to think it's like chess. You have to think in series. You can't just have your one move, and if that move is stopped or you meet resistance, you're stopped. So what you do in wrestling is that when you meet resistance, you pivot quick. And you learn how to overcome the resistance by disruption and doing something else fast. So that... and you have to train. You know, you really have to be in condition. Those people in business, or so many people in business, I should say, don't train. They're not really ready. And they aren't really ready to think in series and to be, bam, quick in terms of what they do. And wrestling really taught me that because otherwise you end up flat on your back. <laughs> you know, so 
uh, wrestling actually was value, a valuable learning experience. No, I, I think it's a great one. I, I did a little bit of wrestling, not that much. And what, where it really was useful is exactly as you're saying is that, you know, any sport, you've got to train. And so many, uh, you know, uh, Jim Lore of uh, Human Performance Institute uh, has done a number of programs with me, um, not podcasts, but webinars we've done. And, and he has written a book called Powerful Engagement, but also another one called Corporate Athlete. And he relates it that, you know, as athletes, we train, we train, we train, you know, certainly a professional one, at least 90%, and then 10%. We go out and do. Wherein, you know, as entrepreneurs, what do we do? We're we're really a hundred percent almost, or best. You know, we're training ten percent, and it's just so important if we're going to be really effective. And then I also like the pivot. I haven't heard that one before. Where, you know, the market gives us feedback as entrepreneurs, and it's not like we have to throw everything out. It's how do we use that force to pivot to really take advantage of what's going on today. So I. Those are some great analogies, Jeff. How did you take, you know, I mean, you're doing all this stuff at a young age. How did you, you know, what was the transition to move to where you are today, you know, with your own production company? I mean, that doesn't sound like, you know, the movie theater in the basement with your dad's popcorn, you know, the clothing store, and then now, uh, you know, philosophy, wrestling major, and all of a sudden now you're doing for some of the biggest brands in the world. Uh, work for them, helping with the branding and the commercials and it's high production. How do you go from there to here? Well, what happened was, and this was under the, uh, under the title of significant challenges, you know, uh, it wasn't just this upward trajectory to success. There were obstacles along the way. And those obstacles, I think if you turn obstacles into a learning experience and I'm not saying that to be Pollyanna because when you're going through it it's awful <laughs> so there's yeah. there's you know it's not like wow this was great and I learned so much if you can avoid it you know you want to avoid it but you can learn a lot and you know I think that I think that failure is is giving up and not trying you know and so when I was quite young uh, and a recession hit this was in the early 70s, I had to lay off a lot of people. And I was laying off people who were more than twice my age, who had families. I was their sole source of income. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's a big responsibility, especially for a 22-year-old kid. But I had empathy. I realized, uh, I realized the impact that I was having on their lives, both good when I gave them a job, and bad when I had to let them go. So no matter how language tries to mask over by saying downsizing, we're cutting back, what you're really doing is eliminating somebody's livelihood. And I don't take that lightly. You know, I think that that's a real responsibility. Uh, When I wanted to move to New York from Wisconsin, my financial backer did not want to continue to support the business because he hired me, or he backed me, I should say, because I was providing employment for Wisconsin people. I was providing Mm -hmm. over 110 jobs. But something else that I learned is that money's replaceable. Time isn't. So spend your time wisely because you can't really save time. It keeps passing no matter what you do. And so I learned some very important lessons when I was younger. Uh, And that is about 
the value of people and to not take what you do lightly nor take those people who help you do it lightly lightly because they're important to your success and that time is a very important element and you shouldn't squander it you shouldn't waste it because you can replace money you can't replace time you know there was a time when you and I both had hair yeah. <laughs> it, it was a little while ago for me I don't know about you Jeff but it's been, it's been going at a fairly steady rate lately yeah, and, and uh, you know, but it was those were big challenges that I met because I had to decide, am I going to close the business after having tons of national publicity? I was written up in every major fashion magazine. Uh, I had gotten tremendous press coverage. Now I'm faced with, if I'm going to move, close the business. Well, that's pretty heavy. I had already laid people off. Then I'm going to do this. Am I going to close down my business? And the answer was yes, because I wanted to move to New York. I wanted to get on with my life, and I didn't want the fear of not making money to inhibit my chance of moving forward. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, you know, I, I wanted to stop for a second because that was a huge decision for you, and and many entrepreneurs have gone through that. Many are going to go through that, and. You're going to reach a time where, you know, and sometimes it's going to be because of good news. You know, somebody wants to pay, write a big check to you for an acquisition. I've dealt with that and that creates a lot of stress too. I've dealt with, there's nothing worse. I, I totally agree with laying off people. I've built up a pretty good sized company as well and went through a downturn in the market. We had to lay off and, you know, there, there was nobody that we had to lay off that wasn't someone that I wanted to keep. And we go through all this stuff, and and how, how did you come to that conclusion? I mean, you knew that you had that wasn't the right thing for you, you know. I mean, because you could roll up your sleeve potentially, stayed there, and you know, done a disservice to you know certainly what you've been able to accomplish in the many lives you've touched since since then. But how, how did you get you know from that point? I mean, how did you make that final decision? Well, going back to my parents again, you know, my parents were entrepreneurs. Both my mother and father were in business. They owned retail stores in Akron, Ohio, which is where I'm from. Akron was the rubber capital, so maybe I was resilient. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I talked to my parents. And, you know, my parents, my, my, the scale of my business was way beyond the scale of my parents' business because I was dealing nationally and even internationally. I sold to Japan. They never did that. They sold to local people in their small retail store. Mm -hmm. But the principles of business are the same no matter where you are. When you have employees, when you need to have cash flow, all those things, it doesn't matter whether you're big or small, it's more digits to the left of the decimal point, but the principles and protocols are the same. So I had that ability, uh, or good fortune, I should say, to be able to talk to my parents about it and to talk about the challenges I had. And a couple of other good friends and mentors that I had. Uh, but I was really lucky that my, my primary mentors were my mom and dad. They were, they were great. And it was tough, you know. There were mornings I didn't want to go to work because I knew the in, huge mountain of crap that I was going to have to go through. And it's tough, uh, but we don't go through life alone if we're fortunate. 
And if you can, if you have important relationships in your life, mm-hmm. and you can use those relationships to help propel you through difficult times, help counsel you through those hard times, uh, I think that's phenomenal. And I was very fortunate that I have cultivated that. And frankly, I try to do the same for people that I have met, people that are younger than me now, which is a weird, <laughs> weird proposition. But, you know, I've consulted a number of businesses, not as a business enterprise, but as people who are good to me, I want to give to other people who I feel that kind of empathy. No, I, I do as well. And I, I mean, none of us get through life unscarred. I mean, that's, we see it over and over again. And uh, matter of fact, you may want to go to, you know, if, if you're going through any of this, uh, you know, really what Jeff said, uh, I am a big believer, never, you know, go, go to a problem alone. You got to, this is a time you want to bring those trusted family members, friends, business associates. Uh, Ned Hollowell uh, has a good section. He's one of the earliest podcasts I did. And uh, he's a psychiatrist, a friend of Jeff and mine, and just a super, super guy that can help. Okay, now, you're in New York. Okay, I, I know. I've been to New York many times, Jeff. I grew up in upstate New York, and I know when you come to New York, they don't embrace you and say, hey, you should do commercials. You should be one of the top guys in branding. What was the big, let me play this segment here. What was a big breakthrough? I mean, you came with a lot of experience, a lot of hard lessons learned in New York. Um, What happened? Well, when I moved to New York, uh, after closing my first business, I actually traveled the world for about a year. I had saved up enough money that if I lived in a very frugal way, I could do that. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And I also wanted to try to understand kind of what happened and learn from the experience because I think a lot of times people confuse motion with progress. As long as they keep busy, they think they're actually accomplishing something. When oftentimes it's those times when you stop and reflect that you learn a lot more because it can seep in. Uh, I had a very good reputation in the fashion business. I was approached by other people to start a business. To put it very quickly, I started another business, built it up, and sold it. As I was in the process of selling it, that business, uh, I met some people who were starting a company doing video related to fashion. Uh, it was either going to be actually fashion or, believe it or not, Playboy magazine. Mm-hmm. And I actually created the prototype for the first video Playboy. And uh, that's not what I wanted to do, but it was interesting. Uh, I literally locked myself in an edit room. I taught myself how to edit, how to shoot, how to light, and how to do all these things because I had this intuitive feel for the medium. And I thought, wow. The camera can be my pen. I've always written, mm-hmm. and the camera became my pen. And I started a uh, production company, and within, literally within a few months, I had segments on all three major networks. This was before cable, <laughs> you know. And I had segments on the Today Show and uh, on Good Morning America and a few other things. And my first client was Halston, who was the top designer at the to- at the time. And I worked with him until he stopped designing. And Ralph Lauren, who I've been working with for 30 years. So again, it's about relationships. And that was a big thing. 
But there's no, you know, you hear about these and the phone rang off the hook. I've never experienced that ever. I've been written up in the New York Times. I've been written in, up in the Wall Street Journal. I've had very high profile jobs and thought, well, this is going to make the phone ring off the hook. Never does. Uh, I think that that's the rare exception. And I think it's often the slow, sustainable build, which is what keeps businesses going and keeps businesses growing. And that's what I've been doing, you know, over the years. I do good work. Uh, and I think if you just show up ready, it goes back to the wrestling. If you're in shape and you've practiced your moves and you're ready, you're already going to beat out the majority of the competition. Jeff, Jeff you, 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 you're sharing you share these great brands. I mean, just uh, pretty amazing brands that you've had the privilege of working with, not just one time, but over many, many years. And what would be... You know, what are some of the lessons that you've learned on branding that you're teaching your students as well as a professor at uh, Parsons New School uh, for design? Uh, I mean, I see it, you know, in the work. I mean, I go to your website and I see Victoria's Secret. I see Ralph Lauren. I see these commercials. I mean, see, you know, I'm kind of blown away and, you know, I've seen a lot of your work and, Boy, you know, what are some of the lessons that you would share with your fellow entrepreneurs that they could really start using? Because, I mean, you know, you're the classic overnight success. <laughs> you just, yeah. yeah, like most entrepreneurs. Yeah. yeah. Somebody learns of you right now and they say, oh, wow, you've always been there. And, and, and there isn't, you know, the, I've had the phone ring actually a huge amount, but it was when they, somebody put up a wrong number, you know, some, <laughs> telemarketing group. But other than that, it doesn't ring like that ever for almost any entrepreneurs. But what, what would you, you know, what, what would be some of the lessons that you learned in working with these, you know, really, um, I mean, talk about uh, intangibles and, you know, how, how to get the message across of, you know, what these brands are about is in, in you know, short periods of time. That's huge. Well, there, there's a few things. I think in the more global sense, in terms of business, if you're looking out for your client's best interest, you're looking out for your own. And instead of trying to think about how I can get the most out of the deal, think about how you can serve your client the best way, because that is why they come back. And I, you know, you can always sort of con somebody once, mm -hmm. you know, but Ralph Lawrence said the nicest thing to me some years ago, he said, you know, I can hire anybody I want. I can afford to hire anybody, but I want you. And that made me feel really good because it went to the essence of character. And that was what I felt was so important because business, like the rest of life, is about relationships. And how do you build sustaining relationships? And one of the key factors to building a sustaining relationship is listening and wanting to express the gratitude for what you get from that relationship and reciprocate. So I think that looking out for your client's best interests and creating a trusting relationship also allows you to do good business because it allows you, there's already a foundation of trust so you can present new ideas, which I do all the time. Mm -hmm. You can present new ideas and do new things. So there's many things that I'm doing now that technology has allowed that didn't allow before, but I can pitch them and sell them because I have the trust of the client and they know that I'm looking out for their best interests. 
in terms of creating a brand, creating a brand is a marathon situation. It doesn't happen fast. Uh, so oftentimes when somebody asks me the question you did, you know, what does it take to build a good brand? It takes a client that allows you to do good work. And a lot of times people don't have the courage of their convictions. Uh, someone like Ralph Lauren, if you look back, uh, he's been in business 48 years. There is nobody that is as consistent as he is in what he does. And there is nobody who is as successful as he is, as he is in what he does. So a successful brand creates a message that not only resonates with the consumer and creates an emotional connection with the consumer, it is reinforced over time. And the best brands, be it Ralph Lauren, Walt Disney, Apple Computer, you know, they constantly reinforce that message. And so a lot of companies mistake creating a brand with branding. They think if they throw money at it, they get the name out there, uh, that that's what creating a brand is. And it isn't. You know, a brand is a story that you need to tell, and you need to tell that story well, and you need to tell it over and over and over again. So it's a long-term process that takes a willing client, but you have to understand what the story is you're telling and how you relate that to the consumer. Yeah, that's, that's great, true. Jeff. And share, share with me, you know, let me play this segment here. Jeff, share with me what you're passionate about now. I mean, you've had the privilege of working with so many successful entrepreneurs. I mean, I, I've seen you interview, I think, over a few-day period, 100 of them. So, but you, you're, you're out there working with some of the top brands. You're, you're doing some amazing things. And, you know, what are you, what are you most passionate about now that you're working on? Well, John, I'm the most passionate about learning. I'm seduced by ideas. So I'm most excited about what I'm doing right now, you know, and that's what gets me, you know, uh, that's what engages me. And when you've been doing something a long time, such as I have, I think the key is maintaining your passion, your engagement for what it is you do, not being cynical, not being bored, uh, and being open to learning all the time. So when I'm fortunate enough to be interviewing all those entrepreneurs such as yourself, it's an opportunity for me to learn. So I also not only ask questions, I listen to the answers. And as I hope you could tell from our interview, it was a conversation. I didn't have 20 questions down on paper that I asked you. Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm willing to go anyplace. It's jazz. Life to me is kind of jazz. You're improvising, trying to get a rhythm going. Sometimes it's cool and it works. Sometimes it isn't. But, you know, it's always getting back into that rhythm again. So it's the, it's the newness, it's the engagement, it's the curiosity, because I'm seduced by ideas. And that's what motivates me. That's what gets me yeah. going. Jeff, I, you know, I, I really, I mean, I saw that in you. I saw it in when we, I mean, particularly when we, I had met you before, but when you were interviewing me, it was, it was a conversation. And we were on video doing it and so on for a documentary. But it's, it's, it's a you are fully engaged and I, and I think this is so important for all of us as entrepreneurs is that you know it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day, the mundane i mean we've got to do what jeff said you know we've got to deliver a great client experience we've got to be consistent in everything we're doing we're taking you know, we're really looking you know we, we all want to do well financially 
but it's first doing well by the client. You know, doing well by them, you're going to do extremely well in almost every market. But then you've got to keep that passion, that zest for life, and you've got to. The world's changing, so you got to stay on top of it. And I saw that, Jeff, in our conversations. I've run into you at mastermind groups with other successful entrepreneurs. You know, we both have that passion. That's really why we created AES Nation, so that we could share this virtually as well. Let me, I'm gonna switch just for a second here over to the next segment, which is the application of the day on your smartphone. I know you travel a bit and, uh, you know, the shoots, unfortunately, they don't all happen in New York. Clients are all over the world. Shoots are all over the world. What's on your smartphone that uh, you want to share with your fellow entrepreneurs? One thing that's on my smartphone that I won't share is my wife's phone number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that can be... No, uh, no, nor, nor should you. No, I'm thinking <laughs> the application here now. Well, those are the, some one of the things that gets me through some of these yeah. things, being able to talk to my wife and kids. Uh, but the application that I have that I think is great is WhatsApp. Now, and let me, the reason WhatsApp let me put it up great. on the screen here, too, so it's flashing on the screen now. Jeff, why? why I, I've never used that one. I, I'm a big user of a lot of tools. What does this one do? Well, the good thing about it, it was, it was bought by uh, Facebook within the past year is that it's an instant messaging service where you do not use up your data plan. So if you're traveling overseas, which I do often, you can be texting. And if you're texting through your phone and regular phone lines, it can cost you hundreds and hundreds of dollars to do that, depending on how much you text. And this is free. There is, it doesn't cut into data, so it's really great. So it's a very efficient way to communicate and it's an extremely cost-effective way. Okay, well, I will be downloading that because my wife does like to text. And overseas, I just let her text. Uh, but I think that cheaper, she's a thrifty one too. So let, let's go to the next step. I want to go to the next segment. And then this is the book of the day. And Jeff, what would you recommend to your fellow entrepreneurs uh, that they should read that would really help them with some of the, you know, the challenges we face as entrepreneurs? Well, I look at books not as one-offs. Books is kind of my life's curriculum where I'm always studying and always learning. So I'm going to recommend three quickly. One is Moneyball by Michael Lewis, which is a, a brilliant, brilliant book that on the surface is about baseball, which I actually care nothing about. What it's really about is how to look at data and reinterpret it in fresh new ways. So instead of opinions, you're looking at real information that can be interpreted and acted upon. And it's about brilliantly written and entertaining. I want to say it's one of the best books. Everybody talks about big data now. Read that book, Moneyball, and you'll get an understanding of how to use data. But what else do you have? So then there's another book that's almost like a case study of what Moneyball talks about, and that is Freakonomics. And Freakonomics is really interesting because it's uh, an economist who looks, again, at data and brings very fresh interpretations to it and challenges established perceptions. So I think that's a great book. And finally, the third in this curriculum of sort of cognitive 
uh, awareness of how markets work and how businesses work and how our mind works is The Black Swan by Talib Nicholas Nassim, which is very, very interesting. It's written about financial markets and it's a brilliant piece of work. Well, and it came out, I'll never forget reading it because it came out in 2008 and it felt like The Black Swan had arrived as the book did as well. Uh, but it's, it is a great book. I mean, I think, you know, the, Jeff, those are great series. You know, one of the things as entrepreneurs, we're so tempted to take the, you know, what's in the wind right now. And boy, there's so much the market will provide us feedback. And if you look at the data and interpret it, and even if you're not good at it, um, I took three years of stat uh, statistics and quite honestly, that's not my first love hire somebody who is because you're getting all that and you can really make some good decisions. Jeff, what about, um, let me go to the next segment, which is resources. And when we talk about resources, I know you're updating your website, but let me give everybody the website here. And yep, the and, same address. Yeah, I'll have the same address. And for those of you who are not on the video podcast, it's uh, Madoff uh, productions.com and Jeff what what are the resources there I know you know because I know what the uh, one when we're doing the recording is but what kind of resources are there going to be for the uh, you know somebody who wants to check out what you're doing how they might work with you um, you know both free resources and then engaging you type stuff well we have a YouTube channel Madoff Productions, and it's spelled M-A-D-O-F-F, and you can see a very large sampling of our work on YouTube. Uh, we've got, you know, for a little production company, we have over four and a quarter million views on our channel, which is, I'm really happy about. Uh, on our Facebook page, Madoff Productions, again, uh, I post segments from my class where there will be entrepreneurs and interesting people talking about what they do, sound bites. It's not extended interviews, but really great nuggets of wisdom about business, about creativity, about things like that. And then if you're interested in following us, we're at Madoff Prod on Twitter. And uh, we post things there regularly too, and a lot of quotes from the interviews I conduct in my class. So I do that. Uh, I wanted to mention one, one other thing because we went off. I'm sure we could go on for a long time because you ask great questions. And it's very interesting. It's a pleasure being on the other side with you. So thank you. Uh, when you said, what am I excited about now? And I talked about, you know, the curiosity, etc. I wanted to mention I'm doing my first feature film, which is really exciting. I wrote it. Uh, and that's a glacial process, but it's really fun. I'm working on a uh, play that's about the life of a music legend, Lloyd Price, uh, who's an astounding person. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I'm doing, I, it's written, his life story, and we're actually meeting with people who finance Jersey Boys, who were, we hope that they're as interested in this as they were in that, but we don't know, mm -hmm. but it's very exciting. And uh, at, in, on December 9th, we're doing a live streaming show, which precedes the Victoria's Secret TV special on CBS. So that was an instance of where we used new technology, video streaming, pitched the idea, and now before every one of their major shows, 
we do a live streaming show that's produced like a full-up talk show. And I think that's really the future of branding because things have become so narrow cast because the audience, is just, the audience is so splintered that it enables people to follow their favorite brands and engage in ways they never did before. So that's something else I'm excited about too. I'm excited about all those. I'm going to just flip up. I just pulled up your YouTube channel and you can take a look at, you know, a whole bunch of the, the work that you're doing. I mean, you've got tons of videos, of Facebook resources. I mean, Jeff, this is all amazing. Let me go to last segment here. And this is a key takeaways. And I want to share the key takeaways. I mean, I've got an awful lot of notes, uh, Jeff, because I mean, there were so many, but I, I think, you know, kind of the thinking of, uh, I'm going to use a wrestling analogy. I, I really like that one. And, and, you know, I'm going to go with three key takeaways. Number with the wrestling, you know, business is wrestling. It's a little messy at times, but you know, there's a lot of feedback in the marketplace. We've got to understand that we've got to be in shape to be able to play. We've got to be that corporate athlete. We've got to be training. We've got to really be out there making a difference and learning along the way. And then we have to pivot. I mean, Jeff, your story is just one of pivoting along the way and higher and higher value that you could bring to the world to make that dent in the universe. And that, that's really impressive. And all of us are capable of that. And we want to really make sure that we're being aware of it. Second, some great advice that you know, has been given time and time again, but I just want to restate it, is that we are in business to serve our clients first. It's not all about making money. And if we can do a great job for our clients, be consistent in what we do, be there for them, bring them new ideas, help them, inspire them to really make what's important to them even more successful, we will be hugely successful. And you've demonstrated that along the way. And then uh, one of the things that, you know, we, we really, I know you uh, personally now, and I, I want to go to that all of us define success differently. And this is so important that you take the time. And, and Jeff, you took a year off, you know, after, uh, you know, uh, closing down a business, uh, I took, when I, I sold one of the, the main businesses that I had had, I took six months off and just taking this quiet time to reflect and really think, what do you want? What do you want out of life? What do you, you know, what's that legacy? What's the difference you want to make in the world? It's just so important. And you've lived that, Jeff. So I, I really want to thank you for sharing all these insights. It's, it's going to help inspire our, our fellow entrepreneurs entrepreneurs to really accelerate their success. Well, it's been uh, a pleasure. I've, I've enjoyed it uh, very much in talking to you. And I, I don't know, did you want me to expand on anything you had just Well, said? sure, if, you, if you'd like to, go ahead. The issue of success, I think, is the most primary because I think that defining what success looks like for you, there is no right answer, there is no wrong answer. But it is, what do you want out of success? I mean, for me, I want to be able to do what I want to do. And so being successful in business is the ability to say no without any bad consequences. You know, because there's certain people I don't want to deal with. There's certain projects I don't want to do. And so if I'm in the position to be able to say no and not have it hurt me, that's being successful. Uh, success in personal life is different. 
you know, and success in personal life to me is having strong lifelong relationships. And that's what success is in life to me. But I think that people in business tend to quantify success uh, by what their acquisition is. And I think that, and I'm sure you know too, many, many people who have acquired a lot who were miserable. <laughs> and I think because they hadn't, they never thought about what success looked like. They just thought if they got a lot of stuff, that that would fill some hole in them, and it never does. So I think examining that in a real way is kind of profound in terms of your own happiness, because after all, I think that's what we all want, is to feel good about ourselves and to be happy with what we're doing in life. No, that's great, Jeff. And and let's, you know, let's go out and take these lessons. We want everyone here that's a member of AESNation.com. You know, go to our blog. You'll get all kinds of resources available, all the show notes. So anything that Jeff and I refer to is there, the links and so on. And, you know, your current clients, your future clients, they're all counting on you. Most importantly, we want you to be hugely successful in whatever your definition is. Wish you the best of success.